Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Daf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now in Masachat Nida Daf Nun Vav Amur Aleph, about to take a look at the second Mishnah and the rest of the Mishnayot of this, the seventh parak. Hasheret uh, Shnimtzabim Mavui. We saw this Mishnah referenced much earlier in the Masachat. If a Sheret is found in an alleyway or street, then, then anything that was passed through there or was in that area is Tamei. Retroactively, until you can go back to a date when you said, I checked it and there was no sherets there, or until the time that they normally sweep out. We'll see what the nature of sweeping out is. We're paralleling that to a ketam found on a garment. Until you can go back and say, I checked it and as of a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, whenever it was, there was no ketam. Or going back to when it was laundered. Both the sherets and the ketem are metame, whether moist or dry. If the thing is dry, then that means it goes all the way back to the last time you checked it, or the last time that it was laundered, etc., or the last time that the, uh, the area was swept. If it's moist, then it only goes back as far as it could have been moist. Meaning, if it's moist and you say, well, the sherets is still moist, that means it could only have been dead an hour, then it only is matami an hour back. Okay, Ibayalu. Now, a question about the whole sherets thing. What do we say? Do we, do we say that when it was swept out, that means we assume it was checked? Or is the chazaka that it, everything gets swept out? My nafkumina, what's the difference? To Amar, kabid velobadik. If a guy says, I swept it, but I didn't look. Amar chazkatobaduk, if you say that sweeping carries with an assumption of badika, halobadak, this guy didn't check. Amar chazkatomit kabed, but if you say the chazaka is that when you sweep, everything gets swept, hamit kabed, it got swept out. So what is it? Are we making an assumption that when you sweep, you're checking out, which means if you swept and didn't look, that that ruins it, or we say everything gets swept out? Or let's say you found it in a hole. So sweeping wouldn't help. If you say that when you sweep, you look, then you also look in a hole. If you say when you sweep, everything gets swept, you can't sweep into the hole, you're going to miss it. Okay, so we compare it to a ketem. Or really compare the ketem to the sherets. Same question. Do we say that when you laundered it, we also looked at it, or is the chazaka just that everything gets washed? The same question. If a woman says, or a man says, I washed this out and didn't check. It doesn't help to say that there's a chazaka that you checked because this time you didn't check. But if you say that all it means is that we assume that it was washed, then it was washed. Or if it was found on the side in a wrinkle. Same thing as the hole in the uh, in the Sheretz case uh, that he's going to check on the side. The laundry doesn't necessarily get to that side. My, so what's the answer? Really, to both questions. Why do we say it goes? Why does our Mishnah give the rule it does? The Bnei Israel do check. When they sweep, you sweep, you look down, you see what you're sweeping. And if you didn't check, you lose. 
which means that it's Chizkato Baduk, not Chizkato Mitkabed. So Mayor continues on explaining the other part of our Mishnah. When they launder, they look at it. Again, they, they lose. So clearly from here, it's Chizkato Baduk. Let her re-launder it. If the uh, stain sort of lightens, then you know that that stain came from be, from after the last laundering, and it's a fresh stain, and then you can go back to the time that you previously laundered, even if you didn't do badika. But if it doesn't get any lighter, then it's an old stain that the last laundry didn't really get rid of, and now the second laundry is not going to do anything to it. He said, it doesn't matter. When you launder it, it's going to get lighter anyways. Because the first time, it uh, it uh, digs in. The second time, you're going to peel it off. But that whole brighter is there for one reason. To tell us it's chazkato baduk, not chazkato mitkabes or mitkabed. That that statement in the Mishnah, that it's matame, whether wet or dry, is only the sheretz. Ketem lach, lam lafreya. Ketem lach is always matame lamafreya, all the way back to the time you knew it, not just how long it could have been lach. Because emer yavesh hayomai nafilale, because with the ketem, you could have said, it was originally moist three weeks ago, and then it got dried, and then some water fell on it, and that's why it's moist again. Sheretz lami, emer yavesh hayomai nafilale. Here's why to say the same thing about the sheretz. Maybe the sheretz is moist now because it died a month ago. It dried out three weeks ago, and two days ago water fell on it. The answer is, If it was really the case that the sheretz had died a while ago, and then had uh, had um, uh, dried out, and then water came on it, then it would have uh, kind of fallen apart. You'd see it. Okay, next Mishnah. Call it to me on Bayin Rekem. Rekem is a place in the south. Tahorin. Why? Because when his garments come from there with Tamim on them, they're Tahor because everybody lives there as non-Jews. They're not non-Jews. There are some Gerim there who are off the path and they don't know what they're doing. Any clothes that come from a non-Jewish area, Tahorin. If they come from Israel or Kutim, now, it's coming from a place where there's a mix, Yisrael and Kutim, and it's at the times of the Mishnah where we still regard the Kutim as perhaps Jews, and it's really a source of Machloket. And we will see that forthwith. Uh, meaning that Chachamim say they are careful about their Tamim, and if they have a state, it's not from that. Alright, let's see. Kapasik Vatani. The Mishnah just made a straight rule about Rechem. Afilumi Tarmod, even somewhere further in the south. That shows you that we accept Gerim from Tarmod, meaning we assume that everybody there is not Jewish, and it's not that they come from some sort of a mixed lineage where we're concerned about Yuchsin, who can accept Gerim. They said, we do not, and Rabbi Yochanan and the elders of Tveria said, we do not. So maybe Rabbi Yochanan said Zoto Merit means, he said, that's what the Mishnah thinks, but I don't agree. Remember Rabbi Yochanan famously said, Allah follows the Mishnah. And that means that he should follow our Mishnah about Rechem. So We've seen this answer many times, that there was a disagreement among Rabbi Yochanan's students about whether Rabbi Yochanan really said Allah Kastam Mishnah. Okay, Ben Yisrael and Akutim. 
So Rabbanon Eidi Yisrael Metahari. So the Rabbanon, I understand why they say if it comes from Yisrael, it's Tahor. Deman Metamu. So whose Ketamim do they say are Tamei? So the answer is Chasuri Mechzer Avahachitani. This is how you read. Mibein Yisrael Tamei. Mibein Akutim Rameir Metamei. Dukutim Gerei Metain. Rameir holds the Kutim were real Gerim back in Malachim Bet Yudzayin. They really are Jewish, and therefore they really are Tamei. If the stuff is, if, if there's a ketem, and they're not careful about it. Chachamim etaharin, why? The kutim arayotain. The famous machlokit, whether kutim converted out of a true understanding of Torah, or because they're afraid of the arayot, the lions that Hashem sent against them when they were doing avodazara. Which means not really gerim, and therefore they're not really Jewish. Again, like the Rambam points out in the Parish of Mishnayot in Bracha Perkhet, this was only during the times of the Mishnah afterwards they realized they really were non-Jews, they hadn't really converted, they were doing Avodah and they were distanced. But in the rule of the Mishnah, Kutim can go both ways depending on your perspective. So, so why do Chacham say that it's Tahor because it should be because they're not Jewish? This is what it says. If it's from among them, Tmein. Tukutim gereim etain. Because they really are gereim. Hanim tsaim barei Yisrael, but if they're found in just purely Jewish cities, to harange, lach shadua kitmeyan, vasloi metzani lehu, Jewish women who find tamim, they bury them. They don't sell those clothes or let them circulate. Hanim tsaim barei kutim, if they're found in kuti cities, or meir metamei, then lach shadua kitmeyan, they're not careful like tamim. Chachamim metarin, shalom lach shadua kitmeyan. Chacham say they are Jews. But they're not chashud on tamim that they're not careful. They behave like Jews about them. Okay, kol tamim animtzim b'chol makom tahorin. Tamim that are found out in the marketplace, something like that. That's tahor. Chutz min animtzim b'chadarim u'svot beitatmeot. Except things found in an indoor room or found in the area where the nidot go to hang out with the nidot. Beitatmeot shel kutim metamin ba'ohel. Why? Neishahem kovrin sham et hanefalim. The Kutim would also have a Beit HaTmeot, but they would also bury their Nefalim there, their miscarriages, which are Metame Ba'ohel. Rabbi Yudomer, Lo Ayu Kovrin, Alamash Techin, they wouldn't bury them, they just throw them there. Chayagorato, and animals would carry them off, which means it's not Tame Ba'ohel. Nemanim Omar, Kovarno Shamata Nefalim, we believe them if they say we buried Nefalim there, Olo Kovarno, or to say that we didn't, and make it Tame or not. Nemanim Omar, Alabema, Im Bichra, Im Lo Bichra, they are also believed to say, this animal did or did not yet have a baby, so the next one is or isn't a Bechor. Nemanim al-tziyun kfarot, they're also believed to say that that was marked as a kever. Ve'in namanim lo al-aschachot v'lo al-praot v'lo al-betapras. But they're not believed to say, this tree that has the wide branches goes over a kever, and therefore is an ohel or not, or not. Praot is pieces of stone that are sticking out from a fence that may form an ohel. And betapras is an area that there used to be a grave that got plowed under. Zehakla, what's the rule about kutim? Things that we suspect that they are not careful about, we don't believe them about. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, my drush. So now, um, why is it that the kutim would not bury, would not bury their nefalim? They have the Torah, they read the Torah. The Torah says you cannot uh, steal the boundary of your uh, fellow uh, in your inheritance. And the way they understood it was, anyone who gets an inheritance, meaning somebody who's born alive, he gets a little territory to be buried in. There's no reason to bury an FL. That's the way they understood it. Why are they believed to say 
that we buried somebody there or didn't bury somebody there, they do not accept the principle of Ver, meaning you cannot trip somebody up to do an Avera. So they could lie to us, and they wouldn't be violating their own code by having us uh, mistakenly violate the law. So if there's a Kuti Kohen who's standing right there, and he's not going to say that if he's himself is Tomei, he'll become Tomei. But Dilma Kohen Tomei, who maybe he's already Tomei, He's holding Truma in his hands. Maybe he's a coin Tame, holding Truma Tmea, standing on that place, lying and saying, there's no kever here. The answer is to ka'achamina. He's eating it. He wouldn't do that as a kuti unless it was tahor. Then it should be obvious that he's not believed. Maybe they're not really familiar with how far along a nephel is a nephel, and they might have said, we didn't throw bury anything here, where they really did, but they don't think of it as anything because they don't know the timeline or how much has developed, Kamash Malan, that they do. So in a case where it's clear that they're not lying because they themselves would be violating the law, then we can believe them. Okay, same problem. How can we believe them that this animal never gave birth before or did give birth before and it's not a Bechor? They don't have Lifne either. So they don't mind messing us up where we would uh, wrongly eat a Bechor instead of giving it to the coin. If they're sitting there and they themselves are cutting the animal or shearing the animal, working with the animal, so you see it's not a Bechor. Once again, what's the Chiddush? Maybe they're not experts in what Tinuf is, which is when an animal had a miscarriage, and maybe they think, oh, that really was a miscarriage, and therefore this second one is not a Bechor. The answer is they really are Baki, and they know what a Bechor is and what is not. Kamash Malan. But again, we only believed them when they themselves were acting based on that testimony, not just providing it. Even though Tsiun Kvarot is a Durabanan, and the Kutim generally do not have any of our Durabanans, but there is an allusion in the text in Tanakh, and therefore they're careful. So they mention Tsiun, which is in Yemiyahu also, and in a different way. Here Tsiun is a Tsiun Kever, which is marked also, seems to be in Malachim, with the story with Elisha and the Kever. But here, specifically, putting a Tsiun there is something mentioned in Yechezkel, so they're careful about it. If a tree has branches that spread over the land, that becomes an ohel. So if you're under one part and there's a kever under the other part, you're tamay. Praot, what's that? Rocks that come out from the fence. Famous halacha, that you could blow on the ground to blow the dirt out of the way in a beta pras and see if there's any bones there. If you thresh through an entire beta pras, tahor, it's tahor, because everything is lost. If you uh, uh, wrongly plow through a beta kvarot, it becomes a beta pras, which is a suffix durabonan. We're careful about it, but then there's ways to make it a non beta pras even. So you go a hundred amot deep. Four sa'in wide. Rabbi Yossi Omer Chamesh. Wait, why aren't they believed about this? About these last three things? If there was a field and there was a kever in it, we don't know where it is, a kuti is believed to say it's not here. He's only testifying about the kever itself, not about OL or anything else. When if there's a tree, He's not testifying about the tree. He's saying there's no kever right here, which means underneath the tree. That's only if he walks around through the whole thing, then he can be believed, again, if he's practicing based on it. I might think there's one little strip, and he's carefully walking on that strip, that where there is no kever, 
Kamash Falan, that if he's walking around and says there really is no kever here, we can believe him because he himself wouldn't want to become Tameh, the same principle we used before. Okay, Zehakla, what's the rule? Anything we don't trust them about, they're not believed. Because they don't accept the principle of Tchumin, the prohibition of going a great distance on Shabbos, because they evidently don't accept Rabbi opinion, Tchumin is Doraita, and therefore they don't read it as something they're obligated by. And Yain Nesach, meaning not Yain that was actually libated, but Yain that a non-Jew had contact with, they don't accept that Gzera. And as a result, they're not believed to say this Yain wasn't touched, or the Tchum goes out to here. In the next podcast, we will start the even shorter parak, Harah Ketem Al-Bisara, which again will be a two-podcast series. In the meantime, you should have a wonderful day.